let's say welcome, or perhaps welcome back, to the Yearbooking Report podcast. As we do this episode in April, things are getting better. And of course, for school folks, if it's teachers or students, the end is in sight, right? Summer vacation, summer break is not that far away. Factor that in with, uh, you know, more daylight in the sky each day, warmer temperatures, depending on where you are. And things are just kind of picking up, and that's a good thing, right? My name is Scott Giese. I'm a 22-year representative of Jostin's Yearbooks. And 2021 for me is 40 years now in journalism, all through college and afterward. And uh, why journalism? Well, because it's storytelling. And why am I involved with yearbook? Because that is storytelling to last a lifetime. And boy, have we had a year, right? That's one reason why we all can't wait for summer vacation and break, right? Yes, we're all nodding our heads. But things are getting better, of course. More vaccines, that's great. The virus that shall not be named. Things are just getting better. That that weight on our shoulders is slowly starting to be lifted, which is only a good thing, thank goodness. But for yearbook folks, you know, for spring books first off, they're done, all right? They've wrapped up their work getting their books in May, maybe in June. And then, of course, there's the summer or fall delivery folks. They are working away. This year, it's true, coast to coast, a lot of schools switched from a spring to a summer delivery. So they have more time to finish their terrific book, hopefully with more things that might actually happen here in the spring that they could cover in the book. And, of course, then there's the hope that they can actually have a good distribution event in the summer, you know, more vaccines, less virus, all that sort of thing. People can get together without being nervous and such, and they can have a tremendous distribution event. But it's not too early to look ahead to next year's effort, your 2022 effort. And that's going to be the main focus of our episode this time with our friend Ava Butsu. Now, Ava is one of the top yearbook advisors in the land from Grand Blank High School in Grand Blank, Michigan. We've actually had Ava on the program before, but this was over two years ago now. Uh, she and I did a segment on using social media and promotion as part of your uh, yearbooking effort. So if you want to go back and check our archives, so to speak, she had some great ideas and advice there. But coming up in this episode, she's going to talk about getting things ready for next year. Now, she kind of spooked me here. She told me that she's only about a year or so from retirement, to which I said, no, that can't be, no. I don't think we're going to lose Ava somehow. She, yeah, she's going to retire. You know, Ava, do the right thing, retire, all right? But I think when she's always going to be involved with your booking because she is that good. So I tell you what, grab something to write with, grab something to write on, because in this episode, you're going to hear lots of great ideas. You're going to hear some great advice. You're going to hear some great insights as we go in kind of deep on some questions here as we talk about not only, you know, what are we going to do for next year, but what have we learned from this year and some other important topics. We've got some great material to cover, so get ready. And first off, let's meet Ava. First, let's welcome back our friend Ava, who has been on this program before. Ava, I appreciate your time today, and thanks for rejoining the Yearbooking Report. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Now, folks, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. And uh, the main topic that we're going to cover today a little later on is getting ready for next year. Now, I know that some of you, if we have, you know, yearbook advisors or maybe some students, you know, listening to this, 
probably Latinx year is the last thing you're thinking about right now. You're thinking about, can I survive April and May? That'd be really nice. Can I get to summer break? That'd be really cool. But of course, at this juncture, you know, Ava, we'll, at, we'll talk about your book, but a lot of spring delivery books are hopefully wrapped up by this point. If not, oh my goodness, please hurry up. All right. So that we can get you your books on time. And for folks that are summer fall delivery, of course, you're working away and working hard, you know, going through the rest of the you know, current school year and so on. But Ava, let's start from scratch. All right. For folks that don't know you, tell us something about yourself, where you're from, your background, your experience and so on. Uh, well, I um, am currently teaching at the high school that I attended. Um, so it's been fun to be the yearbook advisor there since um, 2002. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of bring it home. I'm, I'm planning to, to wrap up my teaching career and, and after next year. So, um, certainly this isn't how, you know, I thought I would be rolling out sort of gracefully out of your booking and things would get easy, but, um, you know, this has been probably as every advisor and every yearbook student knows, this has been such a challenging year. Um, we, my high school has almost 3,000 students at it, and we've been pretty much remote um, until we went back just very lightly hybrid in January, uh, end of January. And now we are sort of back full-time. We've had four whole days together before spring break, um, which have really felt magical. So it's been an interesting progression um, this year. And it, I will say it's it's been the hardest yearbook that we've ever worked on, but it's our favorite yearbook. So um, talk about not just capturing memories in the yearbook, but making memories while you're making it. This is the year for that. All right, now hold on here. All right, two things. Number one, now you mentioned four whole days. Now, maybe I misunderstood. Is that all the time you've been in school with kids this year? That, that is pretty much it. We've had um, a few, we had six weeks where we had 25% of the kids um, three weeks on, three weeks off. It's very complicated as every hybrid schedule is, but uh, yeah, we've had four days. Um, last Monday through Thursday were our first days where we were all together for a shortened full daily schedule. So there were yearbook students that were just meeting each other for the first time um, last week. Oh my gosh. Now we'll mention we're recording this at the start of April. All right. So the, when you're hearing this, this is a couple of weeks old or something like that. Um, wow. You know, it's interesting, Ava, as I've talked to people from different parts of the country, from Texas, from California and some other places, one of the things that's driven me nuts is how different it is depending on where you are. Now here where I live in central Pennsylvania, we've been all in for a long time. Wow. Not every school. I know recently I've heard from some schools, you know, uh-oh, the numbers have gone up in Pennsylvania again, and now kids are thrown home again, which drives everybody nuts. But at least where I live, my particular high school where I live, they've been all in for months. And you're telling me you've only, as we're recording this, you've only had four days. I can't imagine how you could have gotten anything done. How'd you do it? Uh that's a really good question. We, uh, I say we, my editorial team and I, um, which, you know, we had 39 editors last year and we have 23 this year. So 
we lost a lot of leadership, uh, not just to graduation, but kids who decided that they wanted to be um, fully remote and they didn't want to take the chance of coming back at all hybrid. Um, so my team and I reinvented just about every single system. We, we moved to the Monarch um, platform. So we learned a new platform and we reinvented every single rubric, every single deadline um, cycle. Uh, everything is new for us this year. Um, so it's been, I mean, I guess having everybody work on building the system together has built some really good buy-in from my leaders, especially. Um, it's been a real challenge to teach uh, the students the skills that they need. Uh, photographing has been especially hard because kids have been limited to using their phones and their um, they're not even really taking their own photos. They're more like soliciting photos. So we have this whole crowdsourced yearbook this year, which is actually really neat and really different for us. Um, the writing has been phenomenal. <laughs> We've had lots of time to look at writing and revise. Um, so in some ways, the book is better. You know, it's different and it's better. Um, and it's not done yet. Normally we are done as of last week, but we are, we couldn't pull it together, 368 pages. Uh, so we are doing a summer delivery yearbook. As are a lot of folks this year. So don't feel badly for that. I mean, in the area where I work, again, central and northern Pennsylvania, I had a lot of folks early on decide, Scott, we really, we want to go for summer. I'm like, I'm, I'm with you on that one. If for no other reason than the hope and, you know, back here, I've got my fingers firmly crossed that once we get to say like July, start of August, somewhere in that neighborhood, folks can actually get back together safely without worrying for a distribution event. Does that sound about right? What you're thinking about? That is, I have been dreaming of, you know, end of, end of July, early August distribution parties and what that could look like. Uh, we did the drive-through delivery last year, which was our best, our best delivery we've ever had in terms of people being excited, coming to get the book, the book selling out. Like we distributed almost all of our books that day, which never happens. So I'm like, how can we replicate that and create that energy in the middle of the summer and create a really, um, a fun event that people will want to kind of hang at. So I'm kind of ruminating on some ideas for that right now. Yep. That sounds about right. Now, I bet I have a sharp-eared yearbook advisor who just a couple of minutes ago thought they heard you say that you have 23 editors. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's a lot, isn't oh, it? Okay. It's a <laughs> How does that work? Because I can't think of a school I've ever encountered that has 23 editors. How does that work? Uh, you know, we we used to have a smaller editorial board, but the, the students oftentimes have come up with ideas for how we can improve. And they'll suggest, like a couple of years ago, I had someone who said, um, Mrs. Batsu, we don't, we're not really organized with our proofs and we need someone to get their eyes on every single proof page, making sure that everything is consistent. And so we, you know, imagined a proofs editor, created a, a checklist um, and, that has been a game changer this year. The, the proofs editor has been doing handoff proofs from, from, from me to her. And um, she's found so many problems that we, that I missed, right? Because now the students haven't seen the pages this year, but um, so just imagining what could make us better and who would be the right person to head up 
um, imagining a new editorship and putting it together. And then it kind of becomes a tradition or a legacy where those positions get passed down year to year. And folks, now again, I'm from Pennsylvania, Ava's from Michigan, but I have been to Ava's classroom. That was two years ago, gosh, two years ago now. I wow. can't believe it. I used to have a daughter that lived about an hour away. And uh, while visiting her one day, I said, I want to go over here. And so I drove over and you were kind enough to let me come in. And what I remember from that day, which uh, I kind of stood back in the corner of the room, if you remember, I just was like watching. And you started the class period with your group and the room was full. And what just impressed me right off the bat is, I'm assuming it was the editor-in-chief stands up in the front of the room and she was leading the group. Now you kind of interjected sort of a little bit here and there, but they ran the show. Ava, I wish everybody would do it that way. It, it, that's, I'll call it the rarity. Usually it's the yearbook advisor in the front of the room leading the show. I mean, I'm assuming you've always done it that way. You let the kids run the operation, yes? Yes, that's been a lifesaver for me because otherwise it's, you know, the Ava Batsu show, which it shouldn't be and it can't be. It's too much work. Um, so many advisors that I know are like, you know, we're all control freaks. We wouldn't be advising yearbook if we didn't just want to have our hands on every piece of the, the puzzle. But then the problem is, is that we're the keepers of all the information and we really need our kids to be the keepers of the information. And like I said, every editor gets to specialize in a certain area and no one editor, even though I do have editor in chief, you know, a couple of them, they're not superior to the design editors or the copy editors or the photo editors. It's just all these pieces of the puzzle. The kids love being editors at, at my school much more than being on staff because they do get to specialize. And uh, when they make a portfolio at the end of the year, they're just like, this is this thing that I'm really good at, you know, that I taught myself how to do. And I, um, I created a system for it. I reinvented a system or I supervised students with it. It's, it, I mean, it's kids, kids will come and be on staff for a year just so that they can then be an editor. And I've had a one-to-one -one ratio of staffers to editors that was last year. And, and it worked great. You know, one supervisor for every um, new staffer, it makes for a great mentoring program. Now, to be fair, you mentioned earlier, you're a big school. All right. I mean, the schools in, in the entire area that I work, I don't think I have any schools as big as yours. All right. So you're a good sized school, which means you're able to have a lot of students in your group. It's and, true. Just, that, that student leadership aspect. I absolutely love that that day. I mean, if we have rookie advisors listening, and I know we do. I mean, Ava, why, why is that a good reason to let the kids run the show? It, you know, I mean, we all learn from our mistakes best. So students, you know, they need that opportunity to make mistakes. Uh, and I mean, I can watch an impending, you know, it's not a car crash because nothing is, is that dire in the yearbook world. But I can see, you know, problems coming up and I can give advice, but I keep telling the students, and especially this year, I keep saying it's, it's your yearbook. This is, you know, your leadership, your yearbook. Here are some things to consider when you're making the decision. Um, I mean, I have a student last week who was asking me if she could, uh, you know, she said, can I just interview my sister because I'm having a hard time connecting with a student. We were supposed to be covering someone who had not been covered in the yearbook yet. 
So instead of telling her like, no, you know, you have to cover someone who hasn't been covered in the yearbook. We just talked about what it meant. What does it mean? You know, when, when the yearbook students sister is in the yearbook three times and there are 500 freshmen who haven't been pictured in the yearbook yet. And, and what does that mean? What does that look like? And, you know, what was really interesting, Scott, was um, this is someone who's been on yearbook staff for three years and she, and she knows, right? She knows sort of our philosophy that we've built together. But um, this year during the pandemic, so many kids are in this space where they're like, can I just? And, and you know, thinking about that word just and what it what it dismisses, you know, it really does close people in rather than open up possibilities. So I think, you know, giving every kid an opportunity to make the decision, I, most kids are going to, to do the harder thing when they, when they understand why they're doing it, why it matters. So a lot of being a yearbook advisor is helping kids understand why it matters and helping kids figure out how to put a system together that works. Right. A lot of times I have kids, editors who come up with these elaborate checklists that are like, I know for a fact that there's no way that anybody is going to be able to go through this photo editing checklist reasonably and do it well. But, you know, we have to try it first. I let the kids try it. And if they feel that they're drowning and it's, it's not working, then we can come back and figure out how to revise it. And that's the life process anyway. So I think it's good for them to practice it. You learn how to lead, which means we need to let the kids learn how to lead. And unfortunately, again, my observation, that doesn't happen in a lot of places. It's just like, go do this, go do that, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think the way you do it, kids have a better chance to sort of develop, and do some cool stuff, and take that off to college, and so on. So I really, really love that. We'll get back to more with Ava Butsu, outstanding yearbook advisor from Grand Blank, Michigan, coming up here in just a moment. Now, in this next segment, again, get ready, because we're going to be talking about how do you prepare now for next year? What can you do between now and the end of school, especially, to get ready for your 2022 effort? Ava's going to give you a lot of advice, her own experience, her own insights, some pretty good stuff here. So get ready for that segment here in just a bit. And during this segment, she's going to mention something, especially for Justin's advisors and staffs, that is simply not to be missed. And that is what we call our annual spring premieres. Now, before the virus that shall not be named showed up, this was usually done on site at schools, for instance, across the country. And a lot of folks would travel to this particular place and they'd go through a special workshop day. Well, of course, one of the, I'd call it silver linings of this insane year is that a lot more good stuff is happening online. And so that's going to be much like last year. It's happening again this spring. Our spring premieres a terrific event done by our Jostens Creative Accounts Managers, or CAMs, and our Jostens Ambassadors, and some other experts and noted folks in your booking. They're going to be doing this live online. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, there's two dates in late April, two dates in mid-May, two dates in early June. Now, that's the high school schedule. And also, two very special dates in May, especially for middle school advisors and staffs. Now, for Justin Schools, this is a free four-hour live event. 
Uh, if I go for Eastern Time, that's where I live, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time on those particular dates. Now, that would be essentially the, the latter half of a school day. Of course, if you're out in the West Coast, it would be from 8 a.m. until noon. That would be the first half of a school day. And I would suggest advisors listening, if you can do this live, maybe not with your whole staff, with your editors, with your top kids for next year, doing this live, I think, would be a very exciting event. Think about maybe doing this in your auditorium, you know, on the big screen with the big speakers. I don't know, have popcorn. It's like going to the movies. But in this case, from this movie, you're going to get a lot of great advice and ideas and start the brainstorming for next year. Now, for Johnson's advisors, if somehow you've missed out on this information, contact your Johnson's representative. They have all the dates, all the information. It's very simple to sign up. Now, if you're thinking, well, look, there's just no way we're going to be able to do four hours live on a school day. That's just not going to happen. Okay, understandable. Sign up for a day anyway. Just pick one. All the dates will have the same material, so just pick one date. And then what happens is, if you can't make it, Right after the event, you'll get the links for all the video recordings. You'll get the links for all the ideas and the resources shared during this event. Not a problem if you can't make it live. But absolutely, advisors, positively pick one date and sign up. There is nothing to lose. There is no cost. You will get a lot of tremendous ideas and information to get things started for next year if you watch it live or if you watch it later recorded. Don't miss out, though. Make sure you sign up. Two dates in April, two in May, two at the start of June. One of them has to work, even if it's just a recording. Contact your Johnson's representative if you need more information, and we will see you there. Now, again, we're talking about preparing for next year with our friend Ava Butsu. Like I said, get ready for some note-taking because we kind of take a deep dive here on uh, what are some of the great ideas that she is using with her staff to get them ready for next year's effort. Let's get back to Ava. All right, let's talk some yearbook here. And again, our primary theme is we're looking ahead to next year. And I, I, Ava, I guess my opening question, maybe we've sort of touched on this a little bit, with this insane year we've all had to deal with this year, if we assume that come, you know, September, things are, quote, normal again, you know, or at least sort of back to the way they were, will any of the things that happened this year change the way you prepare for next year, or are you just going to revert back to what you used to do before? That's such a good question. So many things I think will change um, in a positive in a positive way. Um, like like I love that you're doing these lessons with your your live lessons with students. Um, that's one of my goals is to try to bring more um, experts in. You know, I can do we can do this now through Zoom. We discovered all these amazing lessons and. I'm not a great photography teacher, so I can bring all these other experts into the classroom for my students. Um, and because at this point, as I said, I'm losing a lot of senior leadership, right? So who's going to teach the, the newbies on um, the ins and outs of, you know, photography, et cetera, or interviewing, you know, things that are, are really challenging for kids. So I think bringing the experts into the classroom and just curating a really good library over the summer of, of you know, things that kids will be watching as a group and then maybe assigning some supplementary things for them to watch on their spare time. 
um, which I'm actually really excited about them, them learning more that way. Yeah, there's, um, there are some silver linings out there. There really are. I mean, we have to look at it that way. But I love that you're thinking about theme right now because, you know, we're not finishing our book until right around June 1st, but we are going to start looking at theme when we get back from spring break. Um, I think a good theme takes a lot of time. It's like, you know, you get a great idea and if you jump on it right away, it oftentimes fizzles out. So this idea of pulling together theme possibilities and sitting with them. And, you know, we say that a lot in yoga, you know, you just, you're supposed to sit with it, sit with your ideas, sit with your stress, like really get to know it inside and out. So I guess there's some yoga to this philosophy. Um, but, and then, you know, once you start to, to really internalize a good theme, then you can open up your eyes and look around you and say, well, what does this theme look like? And you find graphic inspiration everywhere once you really own a good theme. So that's going to be the process that's similar to what we've always done. And um, I think my kids are excited because they're, they're tired of deadlines and they're ready for something fresh. So theme is an opportunity um, for good teamwork, good collaboration in a very different way. All right. So theme. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably we're all in agreement. That's something to handle here in April and May before the school year is over. Um, now, do you do some, I mean, you've got a big group, all right. You got a big school, you got a big group. Um, you kind of touched on it there a little bit. I mean, as this group is working together, you know, how do you brainstorm ideas when it comes to the theme? And of course the cover has something to do with the theme. I mean, how do you have certain ways that you organize the group to point them in the right direction? Absolutely. Um, I have a huge theme project that I put together last year during COVID, which was kind of a combination of um, all my good theme uh, lessons that I'd done over the years. And um, so I kind of pulled together this whole process step by step. Um, and, you know, for in my opinion, a good theme starts with the verbal. So most schools I know will start with a visual. They'll see something and they'll say, I really like those colors. I really like those fonts. I like this symbol or this image or this graphic concept. That's going to be the theme. But the problem is, is that, um, you know, a really good theme is going to have this flexible verbal concept that you can take to govern your interviews, the questions, the types of stories that you write, the theme is really a lot of times, except for COVID, right? The theme is the thing that's going to make your book different year to year. So starting with the verbal concept, um, and I usually break my kids into groups and let them kind of in secret, you know, they, they pitch their own verbals and then they, um, kind of build a concept together and then we come together and, and then they can pitch it in front of the group and we can vote on it. Um, which, you know, a lot of people get emotionally attached to their work. So this can be like a very tricky thing to do, but um, just remembering to teach everybody to think about like, how flexible is this theme going to be? Can you transfer it? You know, can it be more than just a symbol or an image on the cover? right? A theme is what the book feels like. It's, it's less about what it looks like and more about what it feels like. So um, that's going to be the process again this year, coming up with a, a, and you know, Scott, I also think that um, people always say like, I'm thinking about this theme, you know, what do you think? Do you think it's a good theme? And it's like, almost any cliche can be a theme. 
it, and it, it can be good or bad depending on how much time you sit with it and how you develop it and what you, you know, how you, you build it to be flexible. Um, not just looking at a theme. So, you know, you could have a simple theme like uh, Justin's had all in as their lookbook theme a few years ago, all in, which is a great spirit-based theme. Um, but if, if you're going to examine all in, then I think that you also have to examine all out. Like, what are the things that you're going to take a pass on? You know, who are the people who are choosing not to be all in? What are their stories? So always looking at a theme, you know, for the direction that it's taking you and then it's opposite. It, that's one way of being flexible with a theme. And then those quick reads that you mentioned too, figuring out different types of story packages that spin off of the theme early, early in the process, right? Before you start building the book so you know how flexible it is. I'm curious, what was your theme this year? Our theme this year is um, limitless. It's actually one word, limitless, but it's also about our desire to have fewer limitations placed on us from COVID. Did that work out? <laughs> it's it's been, <laughs> it's been kind of amazing, actually, because you know we've been watching our our society open up and close down, and open up and close down, and um, I think really getting a sense of how teenagers already feel limited in their lives and also how they're encouraged to, you know, shoot for the stars and be limitless. So there are lots of really good personal stories and community stories we've been able to tell with that theme. Shoot for that half moon folks or, or not. That's <laughs> we'll let that alone. It's been an interesting couple of years. Now, last year, of course, was 2020. And uh, this is before BV before virus. All right. Um, do you remember what your theme was last year? I do. What was it? Uh, it was the ironic. You can always look back on your themes and say, wow, how did we know? It was um, open up. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So it was almost like a, a prescient theme. We were like looking ahead to what? I don't know, 2022 or something. Um, but, you know, it was a perfect way to end last year because, uh, you know, our theme was all about open up and we were closing the book as we were closing down society and going into quarantine. So those last couple pages of the yearbook really got to tell the story of the opposite of our theme, right? Not just opening up, but closing down. I mean, 2020, I mean, folks, think about it. If I just say 2020 to you, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is vision. All right. I wear glasses. Ava wears glasses. Ava, I had a bunch of books last year with glasses on them, and that, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? We knew it was coming. I mean, we from Jostens like, okay, 2020, we know what's coming. And then, of course, the virus shows up. Now, this year, it's been masks or something to do with masks or masking or unmasked or that sort of thing. It's interesting, earlier you said cliche. You could turn any cliche into a theme. Now, folks, we're not saying go shopping for cliches, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand there. But, um, okay, let, let, let me move on from that, okay? Um, so the group kind of gets together. I think you mentioned that they vote on stuff. Now, it's interesting. Again, 2020 was an election year, totally nuts. When you do your elections, I don't know, is there any kind of drama because i've hit that from time to time when you've got students trying to figure out what direction you've got this faction you got this faction how do you handle that kind of a situation that is such a good question um and it's it's challenging every year because someone's feelings are going to get hurt you know someone's going to think their idea was superior i think 
we put together, you know, like a lot of schools do, like a vision board, a digital vision board. And when each group does their presentation, they get a lot of time and a lot of space to talk about, you know, the look, the look that they're going for, the reason why they're going for it, um, the possibilities of the theme. They get enough time to work on the project that they can really pitch it, which I love the idea of your book kids having to pitch their ideas. I mean, even just in storytelling, I think every kid should have to pitch the reason why they want to cover this person or this particular event, the angle they want. So they've, they're already a little practiced in doing that. Um, but the vision boards are so helpful because as soon as we do vote on a theme, um, everybody knows that we're going to go back into those boards and pull graphic inspiration, even verbal inspiration. A lot of times we'll find that the themes are very similar that the kids are working on. Um, concept wise, they're very similar, but we just want the one that has the most unusual phrasing or some of the phrasing can be uh, super optimistic or um, kind of fall flat. So we're always looking for that right tone or the right feeling. You know, for, for Open Up, it was all about trying to, to get students to feel comfortable telling their stories and opening up and sharing with us. Um, for Limitless, it was, you know, the whole goal was to be hopeful, to not focus on um, just the negative aspects of COVID and closing off. So I think you know, just trying to get kids to figure out what the, what the right theme is. And then here's the other thing that's been really helpful is once we pick a theme, which we do pretty early, we, and we will again this year, we usually pick our theme right around the middle of May. And then we work on it for another month. And then over the summer, we'll go to some workshops, right? That's really, really, really important. It's hard to get kids to want to work on this stuff in the summer, but um, as we're working with the theme, if the theme is falling flat, you know, my kids have permission to reinvent the wheel and, and go back to the, you know, go back to the well and figure out if there's something there that they want, or if they need to imagine something new. The, um, the, the problem of course is, is that we have to submit our, our cover usually at the end of August. So it's, it's really important, as I said, for kids to work on the theme all summer and really figure out what it's going to look like to get that cover set up. Just curious, will there, will there be workshops in Michigan this summer? Do you know yet? Yes, we are um, at, you know, Michigan Interscholastic Press Association is having its normal um, summer camp online. We're doing a, a five day. And of course, Justin's will be doing, um, you know, their spring premiere, premiere is coming up and that's online. We're super excited about that. I mean, has that not been the coolest thing this year to have Taco Tuesdays and, and um, just, little focused areas where we've been able to learn. So yeah, I mean, I think almost everybody's planning to do an online version, although there won't be anything in person. I was going to say, which would you prefer online in person? I want, I want in person. I mean, I'm ready for that again, that time to, you know, I think part of the best part about workshops is the kids really get to learn to trust each other. And they build something together. And that's really hard to do when we're separate. But now I'll throw out the word hybrid, which I know is a dirty word for a lot of people this year. Right? They don't like that. <laughs> you mentioned hybrid and so on. I have to wonder, looking to the future, once we get underneath, out from under this dark cloud we've been dealing with, a hybrid idea of an in-person and an online somehow working together to make a better effort 
What do you think about that? Am I crazy? No, I mean, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, we've been watching yearbook advisors and yearbook reps. We've been watching our students be over the last few years, right? Before COVID, we've been watching them be less engaged in the yearbook experience outside of school. So to get kids to stay after school and want to work together, that was the that was the way always through about 2014. You know, kids would stay after school for two or three hours, however many days a week, and they would there's all this great team bonding that was happening and some work that was happening after school. But we've so many advisors have seen kids be less interested in collaborating and working together after school. Well, now that we're doing this online. Right. It's been so neat to see the kids actually creating their own ways of connecting um, from home and working from home. Um, and so I think that that is something that will carry on. You know, I, I believe that kids will be more motivated to collaborate um, in a hybrid environment, which I think is going to benefit us in the long run. All right, a side question there, because I've heard this from way too many yearbook advisors this year. Kids are just not motivated. And not just yearbook, I'm talking any class, pick a class, you know, math, social studies, whatever class. Kids are just not motivated this crazy year. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Do you see something like that? All right, that's um, that is 100% true. <laughs> but, you know, you know, in physics class, we learned that that law, um, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. Um, and a lot of people have asked me previously, um, you know, we do almost a 370 page book and we finish it, uh, at the end of March. So people are like, how do you pull that together? We have rapid succession deadline cycles. And, um, I think my philosophy has always been, if you're, if you keep kids engaged, um, and set them up for success with check-in points. We have, you know, a uh, coverage deadline where you, you know, you have to know who you're covering and what the story is going to be. And you have to present it to pitch it to the class and talk about it, talk it through. So there's a coverage deadline. And then there's a, um, a photo deadline where they have to bring all their photos to the group. And then they look at them together and, and place them on the page and talk about them. Then there's a copy deadline where they have to turn their stories in and there's editors who go in and make comments on them. And then there's a revision and final deadline. All of these deadlines happen within a two or three week cycle and, and keep, so that's keeping kids on track, right? They, they can't afford to not be up to par or up to snuff on the deadline day because their peers are going to see their work isn't finished. And more than anything, the kids hate it when other kids see them failing, right? So, but creating this kind of momentum where we're always moving, right? The day that we finish a deadline is the day that we celebrate it. And then the Monday we come back is the day that we dive back in with new spreads, new um, topics. And I think having that kind of momentum, even during COVID, uh, the kids are a little slower for me this year and they're not all meeting the deadlines the way they normally would, but I've noticed that they're pulling it together by the time they finish the deadline. So yeah, things are shifting a little slower, but I think, you know, once they're back together and I've noticed there's a lot more energy, a lot more smiles, enthusiasm. Um, I think that's going to be really helpful for all of us. And, and kids haven't changed 
just their whole world has changed. And that, and that was true back in, like I said, 2014, the reason kids don't stay after school anymore is because, you know, we got um, social media and we got, we have so many other ways that we can connect. We don't have to stay in the classroom to do it. So the question is always, how can we shift how we're doing what we do to integrate with how the world is changing, right? It's a good right. question. I tell you what, for any advisor listening, if you weren't taking notes there over the last few minutes, go back and listen again. That was supreme advice. That was, Ava, that is spot on. I mean, again, I wish every yearbook staff would do something about what you just described there over the last few minutes. That's great. We'll get back to our final segment with Ava Butsu, Outstanding Yearbook Advisor from Grand Blanc, Michigan, coming up in a moment. Among other things, we're going to talk about the value of teaching your book. And in my two decades plus of doing this job, I found this is something very few advisors take the time to do. It's more like, okay, let's get to work. Folks, I tell you what, there is such a tremendous value in teaching your book to your staff, um, not only for your book, but there's those skills they can learn, they can use in other classes, preparing for college, in college, and so on. We're going to talk more about that and some other things about this insane year we've been dealing with coming up in just a bit. Now, we're going to do something here we don't normally do. We're going to give a plug for somebody on the outside, so to speak. And a lot of folks don't realize this. I think folks have heard of Canva, C-A-N-V-A. Canva is an outstanding website that's all about graphics and artwork and doing some neat design work. Do it online and then use that material, well, in a yearbook or on a report or, or a project or something like that. Canva's terrific. They're great. But what a lot of folks don't realize, and I didn't realize it until recently that a lot of educators didn't know this, they have a separate service which is called Canva for Education. Open up a web browser and just do a web search for Canva for Education, and you'll go to their special website. A lot of folks don't realize, for folks that use Canva, the others normally a charge, all right? There's some kind of price to use their, their nice, uh, excellent uh, resources. But for teachers and students, it's free. It's been free, and it's going to continue to be free. How about that? A lot of educators don't know that. Students, of course, probably have no idea. But here's an opportunity to use some of the Canva resources for yourself, again, for your book, for your classes, for lots of different things, and you can do it for no charge. Apparently, that's a very quiet secret, but it's out there. So let's take advantage of it. Again, do a web search, Canva for Education. Any teacher or student can sign up. You go on there, you register. They check you out. Like, for instance, I could not do this. I'm not a full-time teacher, and of course, I'm not a student. So I would have to pay for their service, which is the proper thing to do. But for educators, teachers, and students, you can get access to all their great stuff for free. All you have to do is sign up, check it out. This is a great resource, again, not just for your book, but probably for a lot of other uses as well. Do that web search, Canva for Education. Register, get yourself cleared, 
and then let's see what kind of cool graphical design work you can do on there. Could be for uh, personal ads. It could be for things like pie charts and special graphics and so on. Really great stuff. You can use it. You got to go sign up and it's free. Canva for education. Definitely worth checking out. Now let's get back to our final segment with our friend Ava Butsu. Now we're getting toward the end here. Um, sort of a, 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 a related question. Now my experience, I've been doing this over two decades. Most schools, most yearbook advisors really don't teach yearbook. It's pretty much the kids come in the room and okay, get to work. Okay, go take pictures, you know, or something like that. You clearly do that. Tell, tell everybody, what is the value of teaching yearbook? Why should every yearbook advisor do this? Oh my gosh, because it's so much fun to see the kids grow and they can't, you know, it's, yeah, everybody likes to do a boot camp at the beginning of the year, just teaching kids the basics and then away they go and they're out and we're too busy. We don't have time. We can't stop and teach. But honestly, cure, collecting and curating these little libraries of, of tiny little videos or putting together, like I have all these PowerPoints for the tiniest little thing. I just did one uh, last week for subheads, right? Because my kids are still struggling with figuring out how to write a subhead under a headline. So, you know, I've been doing this for years and I was like, hey, I don't really have a good lesson for subheads. So let's, let's curate some really good subheads, some really bad subheads and do a five or 10 minute lesson. And I love the five to 10 minute lesson. It's usually 10 to 15 because I like to talk, but I, I did one for headlines this year, uh, which I, we, I, there's a fantastic Justin's, um, uh, I think Casey Nichols does a really beautiful um, how to write headlines. And there's this amazing uh, handout that goes with it. So Justin's has all of these videos and all of these handouts. And I just dove back into the well and, and dove under and grabbed things out and pulled them in. And I will use them again. Well, at least one more year, right? Um, teaching, it, it is so much fun to see what the kids, the minute that you teach them how exposure works on a camera, the, all of a sudden the photos come back and they're, you know, they're well lit for once. So just those tiny little lessons that you can work in and, and, and plot out. I, we taught kids how to cob, cut out photos again last week. It's the fourth time we've taught this year, but eventually it will stick. And then once it sticks, then you have those kids that are the experts and they become your leaders. So I think you have to teach mini lessons are the ticket. Now, for Justin's advisors, again, folks, this information's all on your book avenue. It's just sitting there waiting to be used. The J classes, the what's called the Grow Your No series is on there. Um, top people like Ava and other top advisors and some of our Justin's cams and ambassadors, they've all, this is terrific stuff. And if somehow you don't work with Justin's and you're listening, contact your Justin's representative and say, what was all that stuff Ava was talking about? And they will be happy to point you in the right direction because it is, it's phenomenal. All right, now let's go slightly off in a different direction because now if I'm correct, you don't, I mean, you're not a hundred percent yearbook at school. You teach other things. Am I assuming? Is that right? What I do. I do. I teach AP language and composition. Okay. Now, again, this insane year we've been all dealing with since, well, it's been a full year now, for goodness sakes. So uh, just sort of a general education question. Now, we'll, we'll leave your book aside now, all right? 
I mean, how has education changed this year? I mean, granted, you allegedly are, are retiring, and we really need to do something about that. Um, <laughs> that's another story. How, or, or again, hasn't it? Again, if I assume that we go back to so-called normal in September, people get their shots and, you know, all this sort of stuff, I, I'm going to be watching in the fall to see how many folks essentially just revert to what they were doing before compared to folks who are somehow doing things differently now. What about you? I mean, has education changed? And if so, maybe like how? How might you do things differently next year? That is such a good question. I think That's maybe I won't thing. know until I'm actually in the moment, but I am a firm believer in shifting and always constantly shifting what we're doing. So even teaching the Great Gatsby for the 29th time this year, I just spent an hour online trying to figure out um, different types of activities that we can do um, that will appeal to the students uh, who have, you know, it's not necessarily that humans are changing, it's that how we interact with each other in the world and ideas is changing. So I, I hope um, that I don't revert because I, you know, I think we all think it's easy to go back to what we know, but that's for us is always stagnation. So no, I mean, I think I really need to sit down. I actually just, um, I know you said not yearbook world, but um, can't help it because I love it. I just reimagined for the first time ever three editors in chief for next year, which we've never done. We, you know, our editorial board is shrinking again next year. Um, and why would I go with three editors in chief next year? Well, it just occurred to me that these three pe people have strengths that the other thing leader in, in her respective area. So I, yeah, I mean, I think we always have to reimagine and be flexible that, that we're all faced with and, um, you know, keep the best of what we've done, but be open to working with students to figure out how to make it better in, in all classes. That will be the challenge. I will be very curious to, as in my travels and watching from afar to see how people do things differently come this fall and winter and so on. How many will revert? And there's nothing wrong with that again. How many will revert? And how many folks will say, you know what, last year we learned a few things. Let's incorporate those into what we do now. You know, the so-called hybrid idea. How can we kind of take the best of both worlds and find a way to make it work? Uh, but does it only take like, like one year for our students to make a tradition? So what's going to be neat is seeing what they perceive to be the traditional way next year and almost having forgotten what could have been before, you know, what we did before that. So, yeah. It'll be real interesting. All right. Well, Ava, I've had a lot. I always have fun talking to you. If, if I'm bumping into you into museums, remember that time? It was like, that was awesome. You know, um, we're both JEA members and the JEA convention in November is supposed to be in Philadelphia. I hope it's in Philadelphia. We want people to come to Philadelphia. No offense to the online stuff. Okay, that's fine. But like Ava, as you said earlier, there's something about getting together. You just got to get together. Those conventions are life-changing for everyone who goes. It, no one ever regrets going to them. Uh, so, and talk about learning from the experts. So yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So Ava, 
I'm not. I'm still not understanding how you can retire at the age of forty. I, I don't get it. I, that's that's really strange. But uh, pshaw. A pshaw. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really appreciate the time. Please keep helping us at Jostens. Maybe do some more of those J classes. That would be really cool. I know they're going to be expanding and adding some more topics this year. And I guess, you know, some of the topics were a bit aimed at the pandemic and the situation we're in. So I'm assuming they're going to either update those or kind of redo those to kind of get away from that. But I hope that if they come knocking at your door, I hope that you say, sure, I'd be happy to do that. that I always will, Scott. And thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of what you do. That is so awesome. A big thank you to, again to our friend Ava Butsu from Grand Blank, Michigan. So much terrific insight and advice. I've, uh, Ava's a friend of mine, and we've had some interesting discussions on some deep questions about teaching your book, about what have we learned from this insane year, and of course, lots and lots of yearbooking topics. I hope you got some great advice and insights from Ava, because again, she is one of the best in the country. Not sure what I'm going to do when she officially retires, but again, I get the feeling she's not going anywhere because she is a tremendous resource for any yearbook or journalism staff out there. So stay tuned for her name. I think we're going to be hearing more from Ava, I hope so, uh, for years, hopefully, into the future. Again, here in April going into May, yep, the end is in sight. But let's see what good work you and your group can still do, either right now for your current book, if you're still working on it, or looking ahead to your new 2022 effort. And thanks again for listening to the Yearbooking Report podcast. 